welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So this week I am talking all about our noisy students. So we have looked at students who are fidgety, who daze, and now we are on our third week looking at student profiles in the classroom. So just like all of the other profiles, there are many sensory reasons as to why someone might be noisy. We may just presume It's relating to auditory input. However, we can also consider other sensory elements to that as well. So let's have a little think about some of these. So if someone's being noisy, we know it could be for extra auditory input. So they are creating sound because they are hyposensitive to auditory input. And so they are creating more sound in order to help themselves regulate. Now, this might be themselves making sounds, so humming, singing, repeating things. Or it might be them tapping things, banging things, clapping, making sound with other items and objects as well. Other sensory reasons for someone who can be noisy can actually relate to our movement sense as well, so our vestibular sense. And that's because when we create a sound, we are also creating a vibration. And that vibration can give us extra movement input and body awareness, so proprioceptive input as well. So some people, especially if they're making a really low vibratory sound in their throat, may be doing it to provide that extra vestibular input or body awareness input as well. Now we might classically presume that someone who makes noise is hyposensitive, so they are making noise in order to create more sensory input for them to be able to focus and attend on their work. However, It can also be that someone is noisy because actually that's their coping strategy, that's their way of regulating out the extra auditory input in their environment. So someone who taps things constantly or hums or sings or repeats things may be doing that because when they're creating that sound, they are fully in control of that auditory input. If someone is hypersensitive to sound, they are processing so much auditory input in their environment. So anything that creates a vibration, they could be processing as a sound. And therefore, their environment is continuously unpredictable. It's spontaneous because these sounds, these vibrations are constantly changing. So one way that someone can feel in control of that auditory input if they are hypersensitive 
can be for them to create the sound themselves. So by being in control of a sensory input, that's a classic characteristic of someone who is hypersensitive. That can relate to any of our senses. So if someone is um, hypersensitive to touch, you might notice that they are fully in control of the things that they touch, the clothes that they wear, the food that they eat. In exactly the same way as someone who is hypersensitive to smell. They are fully in control of the things in their environment that make a, create a smell or the clothes that they wear or the washing detergent that they use, the shampoo, the shower gel, anything that creates that extra smell or factory input. So when we're thinking about supporting our noisy students, it can be for the two reasons and they are polar opposites. And so again, it's really important that we identify and recognise for our student their unique reason, their purpose for making that noise. Is it because they are seeking out sound and they require extra auditory input in order to focus? Or is it because they are so overwhelmed with everything going on around them and it's so spontaneous that by them making the sound, it's helping them to keep something consistent and so they will be less overwhelmed with the things in their environment. Now, when we are trying to work out which one of these reasons it is, it's really important that we look at that person's everyday routine. So what are some of the other sensory characteristics that they have? Can you notice that throughout their day at school they are sensitive to sound? Do they jump quite easily? Do they find it difficult to go into certain spaces? Do they find certain activities really overwhelming, especially when they are creating more sound? Or do we recognise that someone is creating sound throughout their day because actually they require it? And when the room is really quiet, they find it really, really difficult to then focus on the work that they're being asked to do. So like all of the other sensory profiles, the starting place to support our noisy students isn't to tell them to stop, to be quiet, to stop making the noise that they are making, whether they're banging something or um, playing with something that creates a sound. It's to actually do that detective work. It's to break down why is it for that student that they are creating that sound. If you think that it might be relating to vestibular input, so the movement element of it, like I mentioned right at the beginning, then think about are they constantly moving when they aren't sitting down doing their work? Are they up and about and doing things? Even when they're sitting in their seat, are they moving around? That's going to give you a big clue as to whether someone is creating sound for that vestibular input as well. So when we're supporting our noisy students in the work that they're doing, there's lots of different ways that we can do that. We might have in our environment some 
ear defenders so these are noise cancellation headphones that you might see builders wearing you can get them for babies and for children now if they are going to noisy places you can get them for all ages and they help to reduce some of the sounds in our environment so it might be big over the ear headphones it might be headphones that go in their ear some other things that I usually recommend on my workshops are things like the wax that swimmers wear to stop water from going in their ear. That's great, especially if someone has the ability to recognise for themselves how much to put in their ear, how much auditory support they require. Because they can manage that, they can take it out, they can put it back in themselves. Other things that you can try in your environment if someone is really sensitive to sounds, if they're hypersensitive to auditory input, are things like playing white noise. Can you have a white noise in the background in your classroom? Can you have someone who helps you out with hoovering, with doing the cleaning, whatever it might be that can add in that sound which we know is proven to be calming. It's most familiar to us, it relates back to the frequencies that we're familiar with in the womb and so by being exposed to that auditory input that can be really really beneficial for the students who are hypersensitive to sound. If we have a student who is hyposensitive, so they're looking for sound, how can we then provide sound elements into our work? Now, it might be that someone wears headphones and they're wearing headphones because they find it easier to concentrate whilst listening to work. It might be that you play music in the background in the classroom. We know that that can help some classes. However, we do also know that because every student is different, some students will find that really difficult, really overwhelming to concentrate. So how can we support students that require that extra auditory input? Other ways, apart from adding sound into their work, so group work and music, is to provide something that creates a vibration. So it might be that you have a massaging cushion. It might be that you have a neck rest that massages. It might be that you have an electric toothbrush or something that you chew on and it vibrates. We hear through vibration and so by providing something that creates vibration, we are therefore creating that extra auditory input for that person. So we will be helping them, you'll notice that their, the sound that they're making themselves will reduce because actually they're getting that auditory input from the vibrations of the other object. So in the classroom, there's lots of different ways that we can support auditory sensitivities, but it's really important that we recognise which aspect it is for our students, which one is most relevant. Now, you might try something and it doesn't work or the student doesn't find it supportive and that's absolutely fine. Having these resources available in your classroom is just so important. 
I started creating sensory packs, so sensory resource sacks for classrooms because if a classroom can have the resources available in their setting to support all sorts of sensory needs, then we know that teacher is going to feel so much more confident when their students come into their setting for them to be able to support them. It might be that you try big over the ear, ear defenders, so big headphones, and that person takes them straight off and they refuse to wear them. However, they are still putting their fingers in their ears to block out the sound or making really loud noises for themselves. If that's the case, why don't you try some headphones that go in their ear? So one of the important things when we are observing our students to identify their sensory characteristics is to observe what exactly are they doing. So if someone is hypersensitive to sound, how are they covering their ears if they are? Are they covering it with their whole palm of their hand? Are they covering it by putting their fingers in their ears? Or are they covering it by pushing behind their ears and up? There's lots of different ways that you might observe your students doing that. And so there's different sensory elements to it. And so if you're not sure, just try it for yourself. Cover your ears, put your fingers in your ears, push up behind your ears and work out what sensory aspect could it be for that student. So like I said, if you've noticed that someone will not manage wearing headphones over their ears and they take them straight off, but you notice that they're putting their fingers in their ears, to me, that would be a sign that I'm going to try something with that student that goes in their ears. So it might be small headphones, it might be the wax, like I mentioned earlier, that swimmers put in their ears. Something where I'm going to be getting a similar sensation in my ears to what it feels like when my fingers are in my ears. In exactly the same way as if I'm noticing someone who's seeking out sound. How are they seeking sound? Are they making the sound through their voice? Are they making the sound by tapping something? Are they making sound by listening to music? Those are three very different ways that that person is adding in sound to their routine. And so how can we then help them provide extra ways of adding in that auditory input. It might be that you create working groups where they can talk and they can discuss things so that auditory element is added in. It might be that your students are allowed to listen to music while they're working and they listen to that through headphones. It might be that you have certain items or objects that help to create sound or even you have on the end of their pen something that clicks or something that makes a sound so that then they don't have to do that for themselves so they don't have to tap something they can just click their pen or wiggle their pen if there's a bell at the end or something like that so when we're recognising and supporting our noisy students, there's so many ways that we can do that. It's brilliant. But the most important thing to remember is that our students are already regulating themselves.
Our job as teachers, as parents, as support workers is to understand for that student why they're doing that and can we find other ways to help them to support themselves a little bit better. Now in some cases the students that we're observing actually have probably got really good coping strategies. If that's the case, you might not need to provide extra ways of adding or removing that auditory input. But what you will need to do is you will need to create a sensory profile. You'll need some sort of document that identifies to other teaching professionals, either in your class or when your student moves on to the next class, which helps them to be aware of why that student does what they do. So if they are working and they're tapping their foot or they're tapping their pen on the table, can you write in their sensory profile the purpose for that so that then when a new teacher comes in, so a supply teacher, or if that student moves on to another class, that teacher's already got an understanding or an expectation that this student may well tap the table or tap a certain object to give themselves that extra auditory input. That's really important information because a new teacher may not recognise that student tapping on the table but they might recognise that student doing something else which is also providing them with that same sensory information. If they didn't have that information beforehand, then that teacher may not realise, they may not recognise that actually that student needs to be creating that sound in order to regulate, in order to then focus on their work. And so that's when we see different types of sensory characteristics, different styles of regulation in different environments and throughout a school year, school lifetime. Not only do our senses develop as we get older, we respond to different types of sensory input, but also we're adapting to our environment on a day-to-day basis. Our senses have to catch up with that, it has to carry on telling us, preparing us for what is happening around us. Now, as I mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast, for people who are sensitive to sound, so our noisy students who are creating sound, that's actually because their environment is so spontaneous, they feel really overwhelmed if they are not in control of the sound that they are processing. And so that's when we may see someone who enters sensory overload. And sensory overload through auditory input is really overwhelming. Being constantly surrounded by sound is going to really overwhelm that student and they may well find it difficult then to come back into the classroom to focus back on their work or to sit in a certain seat. So all of these things that I've mentioned today are relating to our noisy students. Like I said we've looked at three different types of students, we've looked at fidgety, dazed students and noisy students. If you want to explore even more sensory profiles than these three 
then head to my website you'll find information of our online training which is all about our student profiles and how to make your own student profile with that online training so head there and you can find out loads more information This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.